When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bunky Perkins in the guest co-host chair. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Nick Suss. He's the Ole Miss beat reporter for the Clarion Ledger. He was in Baton Rouge. His Ole Miss took two or three from LSU. The first series win in Baton Rouge since 1982. About as old, if not a little older, I don't know, as you, Bunky? I mean, give or take. Who's counting, really? Are you one of those peoples that doesn't like to celebrate their birthday? No, I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I enjoy celebrating other people's birthdays, I think, probably more than my own at this point. At some point, you're an adult. You don't celebrate your birthday. I'm trying to explain that to my wife and children. They want to celebrate my birthday, and I appreciate that. I like to feel loved on my birthday, but I don't need a cake, and I don't need a celebration of being a year older. Right. Although, you know, everybody loves a good party. I, I saw... You know, they've started doing those uh, uh, for, like, kids' birthday parties, like the video game trailer, like the full trailer just full of video games that kids go in them. I would love that for my birthday. So when 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 my next one rolls around, I'm going to kind of petition my wife to see if we can just uh, stick a uh, uh, video game truck in the front of the house. What I don't understand about birthday parties, and what a way to start Talk of Champions today— what I don't understand about birthday parties is I don't remember this. When I was a kid, there wasn't a theme to your birthday party. They'll take you to like your church if you go to church or they'll take you to a gym, a local gym, 
and you'll roller skate or you'll just run around for an hour, eat some cake and go home. Now every birthday party has a theme. My wife asking my youngest daughter, Riley, hey, Riley, what do you want to do for your birthday? I want a bell party. Gracie wants a Peppa Pig party or whatever the hell she wants. There's a theme now and you have Peppa Pig M&Ms and you'll have like the pig trough. It's a weird thing to where now every birthday party is themed. How could you have a themed adult birthday party? How come it just gets dismissed when it's your birthday, but now them, they got to have like some frou-frou little theme to celebrate? Well, see, I, if you're going to have, I, I really don't care about the theme. My, my whole, if, if you want me to attend your birthday and or your child, your child's birthday specifically, um, there needs to be a bar. Somewhere, I know that's not Peppa Pig themed, but there better be at least a case of beer somewhere, uh, because that's the only way I'm showing up, and probably the only way I'm making it through. What I do love is that recently, a lot of my friends, when they've invited my kids to their kids' birthday parties, they've told you not to bring a gift. Those are like twenty bucks a pop, and you're going to go to probably six or seven a year. If you're not having to buy a gift anymore, that changes the game. And if there's beer there, I respect those people. Those those people can be my friends. You know, I, I was I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day, and I think I, I know I have reached this stage of my life. And 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 Ben, I, I hope that you I, you strike me as someone who probably has reached this stage in life as well. I have as many friends in my life as I'm ever going to have, or yes. ever want, or ever want to have. Yes, I I. I like I like people that maybe you know are not necessarily have been my friends before. I like meeting them, you know, enjoy spending time with with new people, meeting new people. But I I don't need I'm done with 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 uh, the I guess the obligation that comes with being your friend. I'm, I, if I if you're not my friend already, like the 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 gate's closed. Like we can't we can't the the fire marshal has said we can't allow any more people in. Yeah, I can be cordial with new people. I can have a good relationship with new people. But I tell every new beat reporter that comes on the old Miss Beat, I don't have room in my heart for any more friends. <laughs> and I don't mean that mean. It's just, you know. No, as long as you understand it. Like, you know, you'll go to, uh, for example, I went to a uh, concert on last Wednesday with my wife and a bunch of my wife's friends. And these, you know, the, the husbands that are with my wife's friends are, are my acquaintances because they're married to my wife's friends. Perfectly and suitable. Perfectly will, fine. Perfectly suitable yeah, for that. And my wife will look at me and be like, well, you can be friends with some of these people. No, I, no. I really, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a matter of could I, it's do I want to be. And frankly, no, not really. I mean, we'll hang out for the day, you know, we'll, we'll have a good time. We'll all be nice to each other and this and that. But like, yeah, I mean, like, I, look, you know, all the people that are going to like me in life already like me, and the ones that don't, don't. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I sleep well at night. I can be a social butterfly at a birthday party. Everyone will go, oh, Ben was funny. He was entertaining people, making people laugh, telling inappropriate jokes. But it's not like I'm going to go home and text John Doe after the birthday party. Man, great hanging out. Let's do it again. I, I don't want to do that. Why would I want yeah. to do that? Emily, it's funny. She always gets these invitations from her friends for an Easter egg crawl, or they're going to celebrate this, or let's get the kids together and go to the, what's that train that you ride at Christmas time? Oh, the uh, 
the Polar the Express. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you go get on it in Batesville, and you ride, and you see all these crappy lights, and then Santa's house and all that. Let's go with so-and-so and her husband. I don't know her husband. And if I do know his, her husband, it's probably because he's one of those Ole Miss fans who only talks to me via text when he wants to know an Ole Miss question. There's not even any foreplay with it. It's not simply, hey, Ben, how you doing, man? Good, so-and-so. How are you? It's simply, we going to get so-and-so? Hey, uh, what are you hearing about this? You're not, it's not even subtle as far as what their intentions are. So for me, I'm very cynical about it. I believe that they're only trying to talk to me about Ole Miss stuff, and thus I can't be your friend because now I know that you're only using me for one thing. I'm just glad that I – see, I, I, I live in a, an area of the world where there's not a ton of Ole Miss fans, so I don't even have to, to uh, cater to that, which is nice. I, I don't envy you in that. But then the other part is like there's a there is a – an age, I don't know what the age is, or a point in in a person's life where the idea of like social interaction sounds great, but the actual act of it's not so awesome. Like, do I want to like get dressed and go do this thing? I mean, yeah, it sounds fun, but man, it would be awesome if I could just sit on my couch and watch this game <laughs> and just wear sweatpants. That That would be living, if you ask me. See, I, th- I feel like prime friend-making time is college. That's prime friend-making time. That's when you spread your wings, you get to know different subsets of people, the Grove, going to multiple tents before the game. It's an event. It's a thing. When you get older, it sounds exhausting. It sounds exhausting to drive up, to go to a game, walk around to a bunch of different tents, probably have your three-year-old or four-year-old at the time, then you got to go to the game, fight with that little monster for three and a half, four hours, get in the car, hope he or she falls asleep, and that your wife doesn't want to talk about something the whole way. Maybe she falls asleep too, so then you can listen to a podcast you haven't caught up on because you've been doing work and stuff. And you get to drive home, listen to that, or just drive home in perfect quiet. Anything other than that sounds like a disaster. I don't want to go around and hang out. and like I can't day drink all day anymore, and then still be productive at the end of the day. I have to carve out drinking time. If I have to drink, if I'm going to drink, I have to like plan around it. I have to know, okay, Ben, you're going to be drinking for like two and a half, three hours. This is where your keys are. This is where your car is. This is where uh, your family is. This is where your phone is. I can't do it just flying by the seat of my pants anymore. You have to have a supporting cast in order to get yeah. any of that. And it's so exhausting like somebody asked me, I, 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 we were talking about the football season. They're like, "Oh, you know, the the Ole Miss Arkansas game is early this year. Are you going to go over to Oxford?" No. Like, I have a three year old. Could you imagine trying to drag my three year old kid around the Grove in September? Get out of here. Or not even September. It was August. Whatever it is, not a chance. Yeah, because you you got the prime age of a true monster. When my yeah. oldest daughter was three or two and a half, we were potty training her, and she was vicious. I was sitting in my chair just watching TV, enjoying a normal moment, and she comes in buck naked and just stares at me and shits on the floor. I didn't even get mad. It was just the viciousness of it. It's like staring into your soul <laughs> and like challenging that was a real, you. That was a real alpha move. Yeah. I wasn't even mad. I respected it. I yeah. bowed it. Good day to you, sir. Well done. Well played. Yeah. So, no, I don't want to 
go around and be a social butterfly anymore. Those days are past. Who am I trying to impress at this point? That's what I always say in the press box. In the Ole Miss press box, everyone jokes because they go, God, Ben, you're just like dynamite. You come in here and you set, it, set something off and blow it up and everybody starts going crazy and talking really loudly and being obnoxious. And that's true. That's true. That's just because I'm trying to get through it. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah. I'm just trying to get through it. So I set a yeah. bunch of fires and let everyone laugh and think it's funny. But really, who wants to sit for a four-and-a-half-hour game against North Alabama in baseball? Nobody. No. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. If you do, and you know, this is crazy. Okay, so I got a call. This is this is kind of outside the uh, what we're talking about, but not really. So, like, we're, we're talking about this and about how, I guess, at the end of the day, we're talking about how priorities change, right? And how your focus changes from one thing to another over the course of your life. So, that, that's the deep meaning of all this rambling, I'm sure. But, like, there are people. Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU, there, it doesn't matter what the school. There are people who, even into their 50s and 60s and, and beyond, like everything revolves around that school's athletic program. And maybe 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 some of that is because you grew up on it, because your dad and your mom you know, raised you on it or, you know, you went to the university and you live in Oxford or you live in Mississippi and it just means a lot more, you know, on a daily basis. But like there are people whose, um, their lives are controlled by this on a level that I can't, I I can't fathom. And the reason I'm I'm saying this, and, and I have a specific example and it's an example everybody knows. So I got a call yesterday from a buddy of mine um, uh, from LSU. And his daughter was playing in a, uh, I guess it was a softball tournament or something in Baton Rouge this weekend. So uh, on their time off, they went to go see the LSU-Alabama softball game. Okay, And they were out there, and the, the um, there were one or two Alabama fans, I guess, out in the outfield or wherever, and so my buddy went up to go talk to one of the guys, just like, hey, you know, you know, being friendly or whatever. Turns out, and the guy was like, he was kind of disheveled and skinny and had a long beard and just looked, I mean, it looked kind of ragged. Went up to talk to him. Turns out it was Harvey Updike. What? And yes. So the guy, the guy obviously has been dissociated with the university and had gone to jail, gone to jail uh, for poison trees for poisoning the trees. But like, even with all of that, that happened, like all of that, he is still out there freaking just grinding at a Alabama, like getting his fix, right? Who's out on a Sunday afternoon in Baton Rouge watching Alabama and LSU play softball. Who's doing that? Hardy freaking Updike is. He's out there just getting his fix. Like it's, it's a drug to, to, to that. I mean, certainly that guy in particular, I know he is the most extreme example, but like he told me that story. It's like, you gotta be kidding. He goes, yeah. And he's like, you look completely different. He had lost a bunch of weight because obviously he had gone to prison. And, you know, he he lives somewhere in Texas with family. But, you know, he's not supposed to be here. But, 
you know, he, he just couldn't stay away. I was like, dude, at what point when your life is completely ruined, do you just say, you know what? I'm going to skip the Alabama softball game in the neighboring state this week. <laughs> well, there's a certain other person to the south of Oxford. So I don't understand. I can't put my my mind in that space as a Harvey Updike or that person. I can't do that as far as school. And I, I, as an adult, your teams still matter to you, but they kind of don't. My brother still gets really mad after Braves games. I don't. I just don't right. care that much. Right. I, I, it's like I've built this protective armor around me to where – why am I allowing something I have zero control over to make me mad? Like we have these, it's in the context of sports, obviously, but like that can be anything. I mean, you know, there are certain things that, that you, you know, really gave a lot of energy and time and focus to at some point in your life. And at some point it just, it's not as important because other things pop up and, and just time, time does not permit you know, you to give your full energy to whatever that thing was that was so important to you 10 years ago. And like, I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's wrong that if that's what you do, if you're, if you no, I wish I could still be that way. I, I just can't do it. Like it's, it, maybe it's a, it's a fatal flaw of mine. Like, yeah, but you're maybe, like that with golf. It's just your priority shifted. Yeah. Yeah. A little, you, you a are little. a perfect example of dad energy. Like you're yeah. dad energy personified. Yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I, 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 my, my dad, my dad, uh, uh, focus has just shifted. Like it, it's just gone from one thing to the other. Like I, I, uh, uh, and, and like, I, I just, I pick and choose my spots now. Like you I, watch yeah. Ole Miss golf more than anybody I know. That's that's probably true. That's probably true. I, mean, I don't know anyone else that watches like you do. There's a couple. There's a couple of us out there. There are a couple. There are a couple of golf stands. Speaking of, no, I'm not they, hating on it. That's awesome. I'm just your priorities have shifted. That's right. They're, it's they're because you got dad energy and dad energy. You're probably super hyped for Master Sunday. That's what you built your day around. Super hyped for Ole Miss golf. Why yeah. is that? It's golf, and dad energy loves golf. That's right. Like eighty three percent of your life is devoted to golf at this point. True, and in fact, the ladies, the Ole Miss golf ladies, are playing in Norman. And if I was more Harvey Updike, I'd have skipped work today and just <laughs> driven over to Norman, the hour and a half, to go watch the ladies knocking around. Which let's see, what, let, let's check scores. Who do you uh, follow around at a college golf event? Uh, it's actually very easy. There is a a website called Golf Stat. Uh, that pretty much covers every amateur and and, uh, college uh, golf tournament in the country. And they have, I mean, it's not like real-time scoring, but it's pretty close. Uh, And so right now, your Mighty Rebels in the NCAA regional are tied for seventh. They got to get to fifth um, in order to qualify for the, the, the championship. And they are three shots back right now, so they're in the hunt. Okay. So, yeah. Good news. And then and the the the, uh, the men play next week in Stanford. So uh, uh, yeah. It was always fun whenever I'd try to write a golf story, and I try to do a couple of them a year. I'd go and talk to Chris Malloy, and I want to sound like I know what the hell I'm talking about when I don't. Right. 
and I'll say, okay, is there any type of grass that you prefer to play on? Bent grass or polyana? What I think it's what it is. Grass. Or, and you think you sound smart, but no, you really just sound dumb because all these teams know how to play on different grass. It's not like anything really changes. I try to be a poser about watching golf outside of professional golf, which I've always watched. But college golf, I don't know what I'm talking about. You actually could tell me about Ole Miss women's and men's golf. Like if I said, Bunky, Ole Miss men's golf going to Stanford, do they got a shot? How do they have a shot? You would say what? I would say that they have a shot. They're ranked, they're, they are seated ninth. They need to get to fifth, finish fifth or better. Uh, their freshmen need to really play well, uh, which they have, and their two seniors uh, need to really step up and lead the team. So that's what I would say. Okay. And probably probably Coach Malloy would say the same thing. Okay, so if you had to watch Ole Miss play golf right now or the latest edition of Game of Thrones when it comes out, you can watch it later. Which right. one are you watching in real time? Well, you know, to to uh, go back to our dad conversation, uh, because of dad energy, I haven't watched a Game of Thrones like at the actual time it Me happened. <laughs> yeah. So, like, usually I'm I'm at least an hour behind, maybe an hour and a half, maybe a day, just kind of depending on what's going on. Uh, but so I would say, yeah, the golf. And in fact, I'm really rooting hard for him to make it past regionals because the national tournament this year is in Fayetteville at the blessings. So if they make it, yeah, if they make it, I will be on course following the team, uh, giving updates that really, you know, I care about and maybe a couple handful of other people. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pulling hard for them. Did you watch Ole Miss baseball at LSU this weekend? You know what? I turned it on when I saw we were up 10 to one because the golf, there's another dad, dad move the golf tournament uh, was in a rain delay so i turned on uh, uh the espn app to watch the baseball game and then lsu started to score some runs i was like you know what i'm gonna just turn this off i've seen this you're like a bad just... luck dude as they talk yeah, about oh, celtic yeah. pride yeah. yeah yeah i'm not watching this and i kind of followed it on twitter and saw the the uh eventual ending which uh that uh honestly surprising considering uh, you know, the uh, uh, WAOM history. But, uh, yeah, you know, first first uh, series since, what, 82? So that, that, yeah. was, that was nice. Win against uh, script, though. Win against script when you give up back-to-back-to-back home runs. Right. To give up six two-out runs and LSU tie it. Ole Miss isn't supposed to win that game, and yet they right. did. And your, and your head coach's son pimps a home run in the first game. Yeah. So yeah. – uh, you know, all of those things are typical uh, symptoms of we are Ole Miss. That was the uh, dumbest controversy ever, by the way. That was yeah, dumb. I don't care. Who cares? At the end of the day, we won two of, of three, and that's a great moment for for that family and for for him. And you know, who, I, I I love I'd pimp a home run too. It was funny because Ole Miss fans dug up some video with Drew Bianco from January in which he said his dad was going to groove him a fastball in his first at bat against them. <laughs> but if you watch oh, the on. video, he yeah. didn't groove a fastball. Austin Miller just missed up and in. It was yeah. coincidental more than anything, but conspiratorially, everyone's going, wait, wait a second, wait. Did Mike really do No, no, he didn't do that. And the fact that people feel like because his dad coaches at Ole Miss, even though he's not had a good year, he had one good moment against Ole Miss, that – 
Ole Miss is like reserves the rights, holds the rights to Drew Bianco, that no. the kid doesn't get to make his own decision, or that the family would want that awkward dynamic of his father coaching Drew. And if Drew did play in games, it might played him in right field over I don't know Anthony Servideo for a couple of games, and he didn't do well. Can you imagine the backlash that kid would have gotten for playing? So there's no winners here. If Drew would have gone and played at Louisville, people wouldn't have probably cared that much. But because it's LSU and he did what he wanted to do, and there's so much history between his family and LSU, Ole Miss fans, for some reason, became upset about it. It was bizarre. It was a bizarre controversy. It's controversy just for the sake of it. It's not um, uncommon either. So when I was at, uh, you know, if if you follow me, you you may know at at one point in my life I was – in athletic administration. And when I was at Louisiana Tech, um, our uh, baseball coach was a guy named Wade Seminole. And Wade was a great guy. And his son was a very good high school baseball player. And everybody assumed, well, he's just going to come to Louisiana Tech and play for his dad. No, Wade did the exact same thing. His son went to Louisiana Lafayette. And it was just a better it's, – it's why add that dynamic, Right. It's it's a cool story. It's like oh, I play for my dad, but on the other point, I, I play for my dad. Yes, that it goes back to the whole dad discussion to begin with. Yeah, that's right. It's a full circle. I took like, my my daughter to a Girl Scout daddy daughter banquet last weekend, and she said, "Daddy, are we going to dance?" I was like, "Yeah, we can dance." She went, "No, no, no. I mean, are we going to dance the thing so I can dance with my friends?" <laughs> Which is fine. You know, I didn't hurt my friends. Like, oh yeah, fine. I can't dance anymore. Of course. Children are inherently embarrassed by their parents. And sometimes they just want to get away from them. I get yeah. that. So, yeah, you know, I, anybody that's actually mad, like big mad about what the what what the Bianco boys, what school they go to. I mean, OK, stop. I, it, yeah, stop. Just let you know they're, they're 18. Let them make their own decisions. And if they come to Ole Miss, great. If they don't, that's OK, too. I mean, our, our baseball program is pretty good. I mean, the baseball team's pretty good, you know. So, uh, not you know, it took us 19 runs to win on Sunday, but that's neither here nor there. You they, know. they they completely glossed over script. So, got to give them yeah, credit. Yeah, you even have a baseball team if you didn't have to score 19 runs on Sunday. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern Woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Going out of the Chinese pharmacy phone line to speak to Nick Suss. He's the Ole Miss beat reporter for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Hello, Nicholas. How are you? Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me on. You're way too excited. You're way too excited. This isn't going to work. Hey, Ben. Thank you for having me on. 
So you can't find the middle ground. It's either way too excited or robot. And now, now it's just going to be awkward, Nicholas. It's just going to be awkward. No, no it's I, not. I, I think that now that I've hit the highs and lows, we're, we're, we're in a good middle. I've established the best and the worst. Now let's just talk. We'll just stay on that road. We'll stay on that road because Nick was in Baton Rouge this weekend as Ole Miss took two of three from LSU for the first time in 1982. Ole Miss won a series in Baton Rouge. So first and foremost, that Sunday game was nuts. Um, I nuts. know um, as a beat reporter, it's never great to be a part of a Sunday baseball game in which – Offense is nonstop, and defense pitching is in short supply. But what was that Sunday game like? Uh, well, I think that uh, myself uh, just knew I had a five-hour drive ahead of me. So those first four innings were great because it was, uh, seemed like an easy story. But gosh, we've all known uh, Ole Miss's bullpen has maybe two and a half guys they trust, maybe three guys they trust, and those weren't the guys throwing and that's a red flag against a team like LSU that can pile it up. And gosh, LSU just kept sneaking back, kept sneaking back. And the emotion and the feeling was, oh, this is going to happen, isn't it? They're going to find a way to blow it. And then it comes to the bottom of the ninth. And there's no way you're giving up a six-run lead with Caracci on the mound. Maybe he gives up three at most, but like you're not losing that. And then it just keeps leaking. And then three homers in a row. At that point, I'm just laughing. I'm just sitting there laughing, thinking, oh, gosh, where's the possum? Where's the beach ball? I know LSU has these weird mystique things that has their luck on them. I think every Ole Miss fan was thinking, oh, gosh, it's happening again. But then the 10th inning was the exact opposite of the narrative of that whole Ole Miss blowing things agenda that I think so many fans are weary of. And they pulled it through. And I mean, it, it was a heck of a baseball game. It was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, there are some people who don't think 1915 is a baseball game. I thought it was a fun one to watch, and I'm glad I was there. I'm one of those people that don't think 19 to 15 is a baseball game, but it doesn't matter what I think. Almost one, two <laughs> of three. Uh, Sunday, you mentioned it. Parker Caracci tried to go two innings to save it. Now, in his entire career, or maybe just for the season, I can't remember. I was looking at stats the other day. He's got a 2.22 ERA um, when he goes two innings to try to close it out. Uh, he, he's been effective in this role. Mike Bianco, yeah. you mentioned it doesn't have a lot of trust in many other people outside of Parker Crazy and Austin Miller in his bullpen. But that response in the extra innings, it's, it went against script. It went against what the criticism of Ole Miss and Ole Miss baseball really is, and that is that they blow in spectacular fashion. They aren't able to recover. They lose. And yet Ole Miss goes into extras, and Mike Bianco has this meeting with his team beforehand and they just go finish it off. They go win. And Houston Roth, who's had an up-and-down year, to say the least, closes it out. You wrote a story about this, how it got done. As far as Mike Bianco's role in it, what happened? Yeah, I mean, the mechanics of it were Bianco came in with a borderline nihilist approach to it where he said, it happened. We blew it. You can't change that. Now go out and play free, win the game. He didn't scold anybody. He didn't try and come out with this giant motivational speech. He said, it's tied, win the game. And that really freed up his players. Uh, Josh Hall told me after the game that the second he heard Bianco say that, he just thought in my head, oh my gosh, we're going to win this game. Like there was a level of confidence instilled just from the idea of, well, don't let that break you. We didn't give up seven runs. We only gave up six. The game is still going. 
And I mean, then you look at the mechanics of that inning, the big hit came from Josh Hall, who everybody on the planet thought was going to bunt and has a broken finger, but he managed to jam a ball into right field for two RBIs. You score a run off of Anthony Servideo scoring from second on a double play dribbler to second base. This was just a team showing that, yeah, it's been a power team for a lot of this season and it's been a doubles and gap hitting team, but I mean, it's small balled its way to those four runs in the 10th inning. And then you brought it up. I mean, Roth, when I said two and a half, Roth might be coming three at this point. Uh, he's pitched really well his last four times out, and he looked really good in that 10th inning. I know he gave up the two hits, but he came away with his two strikeouts as well. And gosh, I mean, you, you said it yourself. They, they broke the narrative. The script is Ole Miss finds ways to lose. But this one, it, it found a way to lose, but then didn't use it. Uh, and that was that was pretty impressive to see. That's the important aspect of this as well, is when you think about turning that around, winning the game anyway, what it means projecting going forward, that's a big series win. If Ole Miss hopes to host, it can't lose at LSU yeah. and then turn around and it's going to be tough to win the series at Tennessee. Mississippi State is obviously not going to be any sort of pushover for Ole Miss at home. They could lose either one of those series and no one would be surprised at all. So looking at the big picture of it, the significance of, first of all, just winning that type of game the way they did, obviously a big deal. But yeah. for the season moving forward, it seems even bigger as far as their aspirations for what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, they're sitting at 15 wins in SEC play. You got to feel that 19 makes you a host. If you win two out of three in these next three series or if you go 3-1, you got to feel like that should be enough. But if they're sitting on that 18 line, if they only find a way to win three of the next six, it, it's going to be interesting. I think that they're the only team that has won a series at Alex Box Stadium this year. And they're the only team that's won a series at Bomb. You go to Arkansas and win a series. You go to LSU and win a series. Those have to be style points if you're sitting on that 15, 16, 17, 18 line for hosting of do they deserve it, do they not. They have the fifth most wins against teams ranked in the top 25 in the RPI this season. Um, they're 9 and 10, I believe, against top 25 RPI teams. And all they have six midweek losses, sure, but four of those are against top 10 RPI teams. It's just they've played the type of schedule that you want from a host. It's just they got to finish it off. If they can't win these last two series, the schedule doesn't even matter. It's, well, you, you, you didn't finish it off. So you're right, Tennessee is going to be hard. Tennessee had its own weird blown game on Sunday that they didn't finish off. I think they blew a 7-0 lead and Ole Miss held on to its. But yeah, this state series is going to be huge. You and I and everybody else in the state know that. Yeah, and I don't look forward to it, mainly because I have to see Brian Haydad. That's a joke. Brian's a friend. But um, when you look look at this team and, and what it's been all year, it's impossible to put your finger on the pulse of who they are, what their identity is. Yeah. And it's interesting to me. Like The biggest takeaway for me on Sunday was the way in which they responded, like you wrote the story about, like we just talked about. Because figuring out what this team is, what it's going to be consistently, it's been impossible. Every time they seem like they're turning a corner – they do something to stub their toe. They go and sweep Texas A&M, and then they lose to Southern Miss and then lose the first game at LSU. And everyone's thinking, oh, God, here they go again. This team that you thought had some momentum was going to accomplish all the things despite itself, they're losing again. And that's why I think Sunday was so important. And it's interesting with Josh Hall acknowledging Mike Bianco's role in that. And I'm one of those big believers in advanced analytics. I, I don't 
buy too much into locker room chemistry or this, that, and the other, all those things that you can't quantify. But I do think there's something to it. I don't think it's something to be just easily dismissed. And maybe my takeaway, and, and it's dangerous with this team, but my takeaway is they figured something out about themselves on Sunday. Losing the lead in which they did and then winning it anyway, I don't know what you call it, how you identify it, but maybe they figure something out about themselves. No, because I agree with you, Ben, on the whole, like, I don't necessarily buy into too much of the unquantifiable. But there are very few times that we as reporters get to, like, learn what the coaching mechanics were, especially with baseball. That's such a fluid coaching sport. But talking about that Josh Hall at bat, I actually got some pretty good stuff where why he was swinging away. And Bianco had a really great coaching moment there where he said, if Kevin Graham gets out, if there's just a runner on first, he's probably getting pinch it for. If Kevin Graham gets a single or walks, there's runners on first and second, he was sack bunting to move the runners. But with runners on second and third, Bianco just said swing. That's why he wasn't on the on-deck circle. They had no idea if he was going to hit. They had to wait till the end of the Kevin Graham at-bat. But it's stuff like that where Bianco seems to recognize what the strengths of his team are. And maybe if this was April, he wouldn't have known that a freshman would double and then another freshman could hit with two runners in scoring position. But you're right. This team's starting to learn what it is. And even in a weekend or even in a week where somebody like Thomas Dillard can go one for 18 or against Southern Miss where they had five hits, but two were bleeders and they could barely score. Even in a week like that where the offense was subpar, they knew what they were good at and they pulled it out. I hate bunts. I hate them. I do too. In the 10th inning, it's different, but I, I just don't like bunting in general. The one Jacob Adams bunt on Sunday was great, though. That was a well-placed bunt. The only bunting I'm good with is when you're bunting for a hit, when you're Josh Hall, and you can make yeah. it to first base when you're trying to get a hit. I don't like bunting to give up outs. I think it's dumb and counterproductive and counterintuitive. So, oh, God. Thank God Kevin Graham bailed them out, I guess, because Josh Hall would have been bunting. <laughs> And I'd have been sitting there going, what, what, why, what, why, why, why are you doing this? But it doesn't matter. Thomas Dillard had a bad weekend, and I don't want to focus too much on it because, look, everybody has bad weekends, but he hits the home run against LSU mm-hmm. in game two, and it was the big swing moment. It put them out in front. But is there something wrong with Thomas Dillard? I don't know because, I mean, you think back to the Texas A&M series and all he did was have big hits. So, I mean, that was one week ago, so I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I think there is but something. But that, that one said. weekend's kind of in the outlier. Yeah, and the power slump, because he's been singling and he's been walking a bunch, but that home run he hit on Saturday was his first home run since March 24th. That was Missouri, and he hasn't hit a home run at Swayze since Little Rock. So if that's your thing, he's only hit three doubles since that last home run. He he only has the one or the two on the road. The power slump might be real, but the dude's still getting on base at a ridiculous clip. He's walking a bunch. Uh, I think as the cleanup hitter, if you want to keep him in that four hole, he's doing exactly what a four hole hitter does. But I mean, from what you and I were talking about earlier in the season, if you want to maximize the lineup, somebody like Thomas Dillard should be in that two or three hole and driving and runs for you. But he's kind of resigned into what a stereotypical four-hole hitter is. He gets the big hits sometimes, but really he's just trying to get on base and score some runs. But really for what his profile is now, walking, singles, some doubles, lead him off. And he's your best base stealer. Yeah, that's completely fair. Uh, the leadoff position was weird because I'm not a huge proponent of the Servideo leadoff job, 
but it worked. Oh, I'm, I'm not at all. I think I, I think it's doesn't work. Yeah, and that's why I was so surprised that they scored a lot of runs with him from the leadoff spot this week. And he wasn't even moving that much because I think he's their best base stealer. I think it's between Servideo and Dillard. And if you're going to lead him off, I get it because you want to take some extra bases. But that's not even what they were doing. He was just getting on base. And I mean, Kessinger's been white hot for two months, so it's easy to move him when Kessinger's behind him. But I agree. Dillard could be a leadoff guy. I like Olenek in the leadoff if he can stop swinging at every first pitch. But I mean, the leadoff guy they're going to face this weekend swings at every first pitch, too. So I guess we should get used to that. Dillard, Kessinger, Keenan, Zabowski. It doesn't seem that hard. But maybe you want to break up the two no. lefties with Keenan and Zabowski, then put Keenan bat in second and Kessinger bat in third. I, there's a lot you can get into. I don't. I don't want to get into it too much because that doesn't matter. Mississippi State matters. I'm sure that a lot of Ole Miss fans have paid attention to Mississippi State baseball. I cover Ole Miss. I haven't paid attention to any Mississippi State baseball. I'm just now getting into Mississippi State. There's no midweek game. What is Mississippi State? They are a jacked up version of Ole Miss right now. I went and I compared the stats. The only thing that Ole Miss is doing better than state right now when it comes to very meaningful stats is on base percentage. And that's a difference between 398 and 397. State's been playing really well. Uh, They've got three pitchers that they trust. Ethan Small is coming off an SEC pitcher of the week performance uh, out in college station, but I think Ole Miss fans saw what that Texas A&M lineup is. So maybe you take that with a grain of salt, but either way state's hitting really well. They're averaging about eight and a half runs per game. They have two or three pitchers. They really trust. Maybe the bullpen's not as strong as somebody would want from a national seed contender, but this is a team that they can slug it. They can single. They're a veteran squad. It's a tough matchup. I, I don't know if there's necessarily a hole in state's plan, but there are very few teams this year who have thrived on the road in SEC play. Ole Miss might be one of the few of them, but gosh, this series is going to be really difficult. We got two teams coming off of extremely important and dramatic road SEC series wins. And gosh, this for Ole Miss, this might decide if you're a host for state. This might decide if you're a national seed. There's a lot going on and it's just a tough, tough matchup. You got to see the best Will Etheridge, the best Doug Nikhazy, and hope your bullpen is rested for Sunday. Because they're like, what, 2 and 11 in the last 13 against State? I believe so. It's been, they, gosh, they got swept. Not ideal is what it, what it is, Nicholas. Yeah. 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 You're, that's better than whatever I was going to say. The podcast is also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The carbine process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there recently. And you're just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell right now. So you, the consumer, need to make sure you're taking advantage of all the deals available to you from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans and they'll want to talk some Ole Miss baseball, basketball, spring football just wrapped up. 
football coming up in the fall, and of course, Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. But above all else, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and get you what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford today. That's just past Kroger, Allen Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. It's interesting because for Ole Miss – this is the type of series that propels you to that host position if you lose it, though. If you only win one of three this weekend, where is your hosting spot in the, now? I mean, who are they competing with? Who on the SEC have a realistic shot of hosting? I know LSU is one of them, so beating LSU, two of three, taking two of three at Alex Box, that matters because you're competing directly with LSU for a hosting position. Who all is in that position? Who are they competing with? Right now, it looks like probably three SEC teams are locks. I think it's pretty safe to say Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and State are going to host. I think there's a good chance that three SEC teams are going to be national seeds. Those three teams seem to be the front runners, but Georgia, Ole Miss, and LSU all have the potential with good uh, last two weekends and SEC tournaments to kind of propel into that third spot. And I think those are the six teams really competing to host right now, A&M you would think still has an outside shot at it. Um, but they've kind of fallen off these last two weeks. And I guess you could bring up Missouri, but I'm not going to. Uh, it, it's really those six teams. And the good news is Ole Miss has beaten Arkansas. Ole Miss has beaten LSU. They've still got a chance to beat State. If you have the advantages over those three teams that you're contending with within your own league, that's good. That's that's good for the resume. If they had, gosh, there's so many what ifs. If they had beaten ECU, if they had even taken one from Louisville on the road, if they hadn't blown that Kentucky series with those two seven inning double headers, if they hadn't, if they had taken one more game at Missouri, I think they would be close to locks at this point. If any of those things had gone right, but win this weekend and then win two out of three next weekend. It should be done. They're ranked 17 in the RPI right now. A couple of wins over a top five team will boost you into that 16. And all of the major polls already have them within the top 16. So if you're if you've got all the indicators, that's the best indicator. Ole has a similar resume to last year. The problem is that they haven't had the same success, even close to the same success as last year's midweek schedule. Yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean the one North Alabama loss was weird and inexcusable. But if you look at the other five midweek losses, Southern Miss is a top 50 team. That's a road loss to a top 50 team makes sense. And then UAB, two Louisvilles and a state. Those are all top 10 teams. So yeah, you've lost four top 10 get teams and a top 50 team in the midweek, but that's still five midweek losses that however excusable they may be, they hurt you. They really do. And I'm a big proponent of the idea who cares about the midweek. If you win 20 SEC games, you can lose all of your midweek games. I don't care. But when it comes down to the difference between being number eight and number nine or being number 16 and number 17, that's huge. Yeah, it's all fine and dandy to lose midweek games if you win 20 SEC games. But good Lord, that's a tall task to for any team. Oh, absolutely. But that's so, my, yeah. that's my point is is you can you can win the midweek games and give yourself a little bit of a parachute 
or you can just go out and put all of your focus into winning in the conference. And I think that Ole Miss never really reconciled what the plan was this year because they didn't have a true midweek starter and that's fine. But if you're, if you're kind of fiddling around in the midweek and you're not trying to use your best arms and all that stuff, you have to maximize what you're doing in the weekend. And they didn't with those two series against Kentucky and Missouri. And that's why they're in the position they are. Over under 102.5 times we hear an, a Mississippi State beat writer slob all over Jake Mangum. Oh, I have a plan in place that every single time Mangum comes to the plate, I'm going to ask who he is. I, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just resigned that he's a great baseball player, and, and I get that he's done great things Jake in Starkville. Jake Mangum. I don't want to insult the guy. He's a really, really good baseball player. But that has nothing not, to do with the player. I'm making fun of the State yeah. beat. Yeah, yeah, but the thing I was going to say is I was in Baton Rouge this weekend. They've got a four-year outfielder who's breaking school records left and right, too. You don't hear the same hype about Antoine Duplantis as you do about Jake Mangum. There's Jake just a different— Mangum. He, he, uh, he, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. I'll, take, I'll take the under, but just barely. Yeah. I have a lot of friends on that state beat. Brian Haydad loves him some Jake Mangum. Loves him some Jake Mangum. Uh, Oh, Dude, I've got two of the beat writers crashing in my apartment this week. They're great dudes. But, yeah, they love Jake Mangum. Jake Mangum. It's like a rom-com with these Mississippi State beat writers and Jake Mangum. He's the unattainable central protagonist of the rom-com. I love him so much. He's, if I could just have Jake, that's what it feels like. I'm being yeah. mean. Am I being mean now? I'm sorry. No, you just put, like, 16 candles, but hey, dad is Molly Ringwald in my head, and I've got to reconcile that. <laughs> oh, he's Nick Suss, Ole Miss and Mississippi State this weekend at Nick Suss, N I C K S U S S, Ole Miss beat writer for at the Clarion Ledger, the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Oh, anytime, Ben. I'm glad you had me. That was Nick Suss joining us on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line to rush for the Clarion Ledger. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Ole Miss baseball took two of three at LSU this weekend. What else are you paying attention to, Ole Miss or otherwise, in the Bunky Perkins life? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, not a whole heck of a lot. Just enjoying, you know, it's it's finally spring. It's time to, you know, wear uh, uh, flip-flops uh, at all times. Uh, I'm a complete and total uh endorser of no socks after Easter. Uh, so, you know, just, just really living my best dad life right now. Uh, and, uh, running joke in the Ole Miss press box, be it baseball, basketball, football, that all I do is wear rainbow flip-flops, which isn't true, but I do have a strong affinity for rainbow flip-flops, but it's the time of the year for that. Like who cares? Who do I, who do I have to, I'm not trying to go chase a, a girl anymore. What do I care if my feet are out? I'm not, I'm not trying to wear shoes unless I'm going to church or work uh, from now until 
sometime around August. Yeah, and in my job, yeah. I don't have to wear shoes. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, all, all you shoe enthusiasts out there, take that. You shoe Nazis, you can yeah. get out of here. Yeah. You can keep your foot prisons. Yeah. I don't need them. <laughs> Game of Thrones is happening right now. Before we get out of here, you and I have a difference of an opinion on uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, you've been very terse in your evaluation of this season. Um, I you're closer to you, me than you, you want to admit. Well, you've 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 basically accused me of being a Michael Bay enthusiast <laughs> because as long as HBO gives me uh, flashy <laughs> lights and explosions, <laughs> then I'm happy, which is true. You know, I am very fickle that way. But I, I do, I will, I will backtrack a little bit. I do support your complaint that they're just steamrolling a lot of the story nuances that, you know, and God, I sound like a complete nerd, but like, this is like six full seasons of this. I'm like really invested in it. And like, you guys just put the hammer down for six episodes. It's just like. I really wish they'd have given it one more season to really flesh everything out yeah, or more more episodes. One of the two. HBO wanted more episodes and the showrunners, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, they said, no, this is what we want to do. And it doesn't make sense to make Danny into the Mad Queen and basically pack four episodes of plot into the last 30 minutes of the last episode because you don't earn that. You don't earn her turn. Now, Danny's turn is far more earned because you've seen – crumbs of this over six seasons then jamie doing an about face to brienne and becoming the hateful person again that completely obliterates jamie's arc for example his redemption arc is the entire theme of who he is and what it is in the books so unless he's just saying those harsh things to brienne to keep her in the north and protect her to go kill cersei himself that is complete betrayal of who he is yeah that that's that's what that's what i'm hopeful for is that's what he's doing so yeah, it. I'm a little frustrated. Like, like there are just a lot of little nuances that need to be explained. Like, like why the hell didn't John pet ghost? Right, exactly. Terrible he sat ghost. beside you while you were dead for two days, protecting you. He protected Sam. He protected you in the fight at Craster's Keep. All he this lost stuff. Damn ear in the Battle of Winterfell. Pet the dog. <laughs> pet the dog. I'm actually glad that Ghost is going with Tormund because at least Tormund will be grateful for this wonderful, magical beast. John's a terrible pet owner. Now, I'm at the point where I'm Team Night King. Resurrect him and have an eternal winner. These people are terrible. Well, it's not just the dog. He also let his dragon die. Like, didn't even... He's clearly a terrible pet owner. He's 0 for 2. Maester Daniel and I will do A Night as Dark and Full of Spoilers, but we're both trying not to be just completely jaded and crap on something you love for an hour. So we're going to do one, and it's been really well listened, and I appreciate it. It's great, whatever. But little gripes. Like, for example, Danny's flying a mile in the air with two dragons, just joyriding at Dragonstone. You couldn't see the, the fleet of 40 ships from your vantage point? That's absurd. I saw, I saw a video yesterday where, like, the one of the showrunners, I forget which one's which, uh, said, you know, Danny had kind of forgotten about the just uh, forgot, yeah, about Euron's fleet. And literally, the scene before was them in the throne in the in the uh, like the planning room talking about Euron's fleet, just forgot about but, it. Like, wait, I just that's not what I just 
yeah, that there's all kinds of like you know. I wish that's just lazy. Like, that's just bad writing. Yeah, I wish they'd explain stuff with Bran. I wish they'd talk about Azura High. Like, oh, the fantasy elements have been completely kicked to the side. That's what Ghost Going North means. They have no interest in any of the fantasy elements anymore. They're done with it. Yeah, so that that's a problem. But I will say this: this is a, this is another going back to just ang- our uh, disgruntled dad's conversation. This this does at least like. Uh, prevent me from having to explain nuanced plot points to my wife mid-show. Yes. So I appreciate that. It makes me more excited for the books to come out whenever they do, if they ever do. Never. They'll never show up. Everyone said this is George R.R. Martin's ending. No, it's not. He said it's not his ending. It was initially, but they've changed a lot of things that they initially were going to do. He's been consulting with them for six seasons, but the last two seasons it's been – full speed ahead, the showrunners, this is our show, this is what we're going to do. They know where some final chess pieces are going to move. Like, it wouldn't surprise me, for example, if Danny becomes the Mad Queen in the books. But on TV, it's abrupt in the way in which they did it, to where she turned around because Masande inexplicably gets kidnapped in this bum rush by Euron. Like, they didn't kidnap anybody else, no one else, just yeah. Masande, just her. And why in the world didn't Cersei, she's got like 30... Unsullied Danny, Grey Worm standing there. Drogon's in the corner. You have 15 scorpions pointed at him. You think Cersei wouldn't just kill everybody? Why would you want to have some nice little honorable finish to this war? A normal war. That's absurd. She'd just kill them all. They're standing there. You've got the high ground. You're looking down at them. And she wouldn't just obliterate them? (laughs) Yeah. She would just shoot them all and kill them all. That's ridiculous. Yeah, She's staring not, at him. It's not great. It's not great. Not great. Not great. I'm, hopeful. No. I'm still, see, you, I feel, have lost all hope. Oh, I, I have, no, I have no hope. I just want it to be over with. Yeah, I, I have some hope that in these last two episodes, uh, things will inexplicably come together <laughs> against all odds. That's that's my hope. Our buddy Brandon Stroud, who writes and covers wrestling for Uproxx, made a joke today. He said, we can jokingly complain about Game of Thrones seasons seven and eight being worse than they should should be, but they're the wire seasons three and four compared to any episode of Raw, which is incredible. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And, and, and to piggyback on that, Jason Kirk at SB Nation made a great point last night. He said, uh, some of you would be better prepared for Game of Thrones randomizing characters, motivations, and discarding storylines if you'd simply spent more time watching professional wrestling. <laughs> it would be so much easier for you. Be yeah, so which, much easier. Which, hey, we're going to get the dusty finish at the end, which will be great. We'll get uh, Danny wins the throne. Sam Sam runs out of the back with a twenty three and Me printout uh, <laughs> for John, and the decision's reversed. Oh, I can already the, see what's really going to happen. Jamie's not. You're you're operating with Orkham's razor at this point. If you're trying to theorize anymore, it's folly. The obvious answer is the right one. So Jamie is going back to Cersei. He's going to try to save her. He's going to die with her. They're going to die together. And the writers, oh, that's subverting your expectations. That's poetic. It's not. Completely betrays Jamie. Uh, then Tyrion is going to be accused of Danny of betrayal because she's the Mad Queen. She'll probably kill Varys or something. And then John's going to have to kill Danny in some democracy. The throne will be burned down, and there'll no longer be a king or queen sitting on a throne. Now a democracy will rise in its place, and that's how Game of Thrones will end. I can see it. How can anyone not see this right now? That's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the most likely. I'm still pulling for 
I think it was maybe an article on Uprox that Euron, just a really, just a really uh, scummy pirate, ends up taking. The, yeah, the hot it. topic Jack Sparrow somehow gets it done. Yeah, yeah. Let's hold out hope. Sure, that sounds great. My expectations were very simple. Someone had a criticism of me like Ben. You're saying betrayal of characters. Like you're just disappointed. It's not going where you wanted to go. I never cared where it went so long as it made sense. That's right. I, I never I, like I could predict things, but I never really cared where it went. I just wanted it to be a smart telling of the story to the end game, whatever that end game was. That's it. But similar to Lost, they never told you who Walt is. They've never told you what Bran is, who he is, what he can do. What he knows, what he doesn't know. They Where can, he was halfway through the Battle yeah. of Winterfell. Like, what was he doing? What he and Tyrion talked about that you cut away. And how in the world can you not show us the reactions of Sansa and Arya when John and Bran tell them of John's parentage? How can you not show us that? We've been waiting eight seasons to see how they react to this, and they cut away. Everything happens off screen, and you got to fill the gaps. That is bad writing. Yeah, it's not great. No. It's not great. No, no. But yeah, yeah, I'm the one that's a problem. I'm the one that should, as Bunky put in a gif, F-O-H. I'm just, you know. Just admit I, it. You're I, more I, on my I side than you're not. The, I enjoyed the the episode for what it was and was simply responding to you without context. Mm-hmm. Which is Twitter in a nutshell. Yeah. 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 But it's also me being all, oh, they're not doing my show the way it should be going. So I was being bitchy and whiny too. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> I think I was more at fault than so this, anybody. So this, this episode of Disgruntled Dads is brought to you by. <laughs> That's all it is. It's all we've been today. But it's, what? what is it, May? May 7th? What yeah, else is like, there to talk about? Ole Miss golf, Ole Miss baseball. Gave you 20 minutes with Nick Suss talking all about Ole Miss baseball. What else is there to talk about? Ole Miss football is months away. Yeah. Ole Miss basketball, they're waiting on Kadeem Sai. Kermit Davis will be on the show on Thursday. So there you go. But today was just grumpy old dads, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Monkey makes a one-month appearance on Game Game of Thrones. Look at me. On Talk of Champions. And when he does, we just sit down and start talking, and this is where we got to. But it's okay, because you got a podcast anyway. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bunky Perkins at Bunky Perkins. Follow Nick Suss on Twitter at Nick Suss. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Hey, man. No problem. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.